The London Walks podcast presents The Haphazard A to Z B is for Bentinck Street Presented by Andy Hallett and Adam Scott Goulding <laughs> So we're in Marlebone, aren't we? We're in Marlebone, yeah, it's very I really posh like, I really like Marlebone, it's very posh Not always posh, it's posh now, but not always posh, I don't think There was terrible slums Octavia Hill well, she became um, uh, kind of joint founder of the National Trust, but also a uh, campaign for social housing started in Marlebone. Okay. I believe it was a terrible slump. Not anymore, though. Not anymore. It's, it's very sort flashy of, and very trendy. Yeah, we're, we're, that sort of a hidden in plain view thing. We're a few minutes from Oxford Circus. A yeah. beautiful Georgian village. Quite so. Quite Marlebone so. High Street, I think, was voted um, uh, the street with the best character. Radio 4 listeners, this is, okay. um, years ago. I mean, it is really stunning. But yeah, a kind of Georgian village. I mean, the street we're particularly... We're on, we're on, well, we're in Manchester Square, right by the Wallace Collection, but we're looking down yes. Pine Street, and then just on the other side of Pine Street, to the east, is a road called Bentick Street. And, um, I mean, it's about 150 yards long. It's not very long, but the luminaries who have lived there and enjoyed staying there is, is long. I mean, so it makes one of, the, one of my favourite streets in London. Sure, and that's why we're here today. We're here to look at Bentinck Street. We're just taking a little shelter underneath a, a Manchester Square tree. Well, very a rare light, occasions. A, a light it's... dappling of London rain, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it rarely rains in London, does no, it? No, really. Mean, 1953, I think, was the last time. We enjoyed summer this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. No, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but, yeah, stuff with people. So... Um, yeah, who can we begin? Well, take it in chronological order. Shall, um, shall, we, shall we take an amble along and see who we can see? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you walk down Bentick Street, um, uh, Edward Gibbon, okay. decline and fall of the Roman Empire. I mean, this, this road was set out in 1765. He was here in the 1770s. So six volumes. I mean, a, norm, a life's work. I think he was got the idea in... Um, he was in Rome. Uh, I think it was 1764... And then he started writing about five years later, and the first volume, first edition came out in um, 1776, and the final editions came out in 1788, I think it was. So this is a real, you know, life's work. He was, uh, now I'm told at some point he was the, uh, every now and again he was um, uh, kind of tutored some of uh, George III's children. And he presented his history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire to the Duke of Gloucester, who famously said, another thick damn square book, scribble, 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 eh, mister? So this is a life's work, six <laughs> volumes. He's been working on this for kind of, you know, the best part of 25 years or so. That was the response. That well, was you know, when out. you deal with the House of Hanover, you're dealing with a gene pool with only a shallow end there. <laughs> I mean, it is really Regency, actually, this area, isn't it? Regency, George, I mean, yeah, the Regency period, 1714 to 1837. I, I I love the Prince of Egypt. I always think of him as, as in Hugh Laurie in Blackadder. Sure, Prinny in Blackadder, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, something of a buffoon, yeah. Something of a buffoon, yeah. He married um, Caroline Brunswick. I think it was 1795 or 96. The only problem was he'd already, he'd already married. He'd already secretly married. That had slipped it, his mind, <laughs> had it? <laughs> well, I imagine the knowledge because she was a Catholic woman. He had many, many mistresses. I mean, I think he made kind of Keith Richards look like... Mary Poppins, you know, something like that. But eventually he was... Well, he was in terrible debt, massive debt, to the tune of £630,000, which is, I think, today about 58 million quids worth. The proverbial pretty penny, yes. <laughs> and he agreed that they would probably, you know, they'd pay it off if he agreed to marry Carolina Brunswick. 
And so when he met her, he was absolutely horrified. Apparently he said to her... I that she wasn't completely impressed either. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a disaster. I mean, I think they did their duty. They had a, a child, and then they were just estranged. I mean, they separated almost, almost immediately. Um, but he got some of his debt paid off. And, um, um, well, at the coronation, when he became king, she, he, he literally locked her out of Westminster Abbey. They're right there. He literally locked her out of Westminster Abbey. And then he was told when Napoleon died in 1821, a courtier said, Sir, your greatest enemy is dead. And he said, Is she by God? <laughs> oh. uh, brilliant. I mean, I think when he died, he was 17 stone. He had a 52-inch waist. He was a massive, bloated... Yeah, a, re- a real catch for Caroline of Brunswick, <laughs> it sounds. Yeah. Anyway, back to Bentinck Street and back to... Um, Edward Gibbon. So he lived there. He lived at number seven. Okay. He, he described it as the best house in the world. Um, he's lived, shared it with his housekeeper, cook, four maids, a parrot and a dog. My goodness. Enjoyed it there. <laughs> uh, if you were to walk along there, you see another blue plaque for James uh, Smithson, scientist. So he wrote the will for the foundation of the Smithsonian Institution. Okay. There. Um, yeah, Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens. We're seldom very far 18. away from Charles Dickens, are we? <laughs> So he was 1833-34, working as a parliamentary reporter. He first wrote um, his first kicked off his publishing career. Actually, he wrote a dinner at Poplar Walk uh, for the monthly magazine, nine pages, but obviously showed a bit of promise. Promise, yeah, know. he'll go far that way. And he had did little, uh, he did little theatricals there, wonderful little theatricals, which he'd press some um, family members into, and he kind of stage managed them. He would. Um, you know, paint the scenery, he'd write the prologue, he'd play the accordion. I mean, all staged in the upper part, living with his family there in, in, um, in Bentinck's Street, 1833, wow. 1834. He would Great write thing. the theme tune, sing the theme tune. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe turned out. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So he was there for some time. Chopin. Okay. British composer. I think he was a very, very briefly, he was there very, very briefly indeed. Too expensive for him. And he moved to Mayfair. I don't down market, <laughs> slumming it in Mayfair. Now, if I remember correctly, he has a, a plaque in Mayfair as well, I believe. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. The house. Is that by St. James's? Yes, he yeah. left that house to perform his last concert, if yeah. I remember correctly. He was quite ill, wasn't he? Was he quite ill? Yes, and um, well, uh, entirely opposite here the compo- for the composer of the Death March. Oh. Um, yes, uh, that was his last ever concert. Right, okay. So, further down the road, number f- uh, well, this was number five, Anthony Blunt and Guy Burgess. Wow, OK, so now we're into Spy. Cambridge Spies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number five. And uh, apparently it was a kind of centre of um, bohemian, famous kind of bohemian centre. Lady Rothschild spent some time there. Um, Guy Burgess, Anthony Blunt... Live there as well. Okay, so um, it was Blunt's premises, was it? Did he he I lived they there? Just, they shared a flat. They okay. both shared a flat there together. Nineteen okay. sixties, okay. bit later. Well, you might know this, John Dunbar, Magic Alex. Okay, I'm gonna uh, jump on John Dunbar there. He was Marianne Faithful's oh, first right. husband. Right. Okay. Uh, John Dunbar. Um, she left John Dunbar famously for uh, one Michael Jagger. Um, yeah, London yeah. School of Economics dropout. Were they introduced in Wimpole Street? There was a party. Andrew. Uh, what's his name? Andrew Oldham. Andrew Luke Oldham, yes. Uh, Marianne Faithful, uh, born of, uh, descended from.
nobility, wow, faded wow. grandeur, reared right. in Reading, uh, of all places. My home. Uh, your hometown, absolutely. Uh, becomes uh, a, a, a chanteuse, a pop star uh, in the 1960s under the auspices of Andrew Lou Goldham, the Rolling Stones manager, famously entering into uh, a, a relationship with Mick Jagger. Um, scandalous gossip column stuff in the 1960s, but Dunbar was one of the uh, movers and shakers of that swinging and London he team. introduced Magic Alex to Lennon. Uh, Magic Alex is uh, all around, yes, a, the the fellow who was the electronics guru yeah. at Apple. Yeah. Uh, he promised Apple them the moon and stars, and he was going to uh, do. He made gadgets and gizmos yeah. that um, amused the perpetually yeah. stoned John Lennon, and he promised them a recording studio, but um, failed to deliver. Track Seventy-two together. track recording Supporting studio. The frames of the building, I think, didn't he? At Savile Row or something. Yes, <laughs> yes, and that was the end of Magic Alex. Yeah, <laughs> discreetly disappeared off the scene. Yes, one of these sort of nebulous characters yeah. of swinging sixties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, um, I mean, also, I think surrounding the area as well. I mean, it's a very, very short road, and if you turn left and then right, it'd be on Queen Anne Street. Uh, J. W. Turner, Turner, live there. Okay, okay. And uh, Wimpole Street, which you've already mentioned, but of course, in the sixties. Paul McCartney and Jane Asher lived yeah. there. Yeah. Um, Upper Wimpole Street, of course, um, Arthur Conan Doyle was there. Okay, 18, well, Conan Doyle uh, references these streets, this area as well. Yeah. I, I, now, doesn't Sherlock Holmes nearly yeah. get killed at the, the Welbeck Street yeah, crossing? Yeah, yeah, Welbeck, named after Danny Welbeck, the Arsenal striker. Of course, there. yes, the famous 18th century <laughs> Arsenal striker, yes. Um, last yeah, time, we, last yeah. time they won the league, the 18th century. <laughs> yeah, he gets, um, it's the final problem, isn't it? The final problem. Oh, and he's... An on his life, and he's nearly run over by a cabbie driver which the evil Dr Moriarty has set upon him, I'd imagine. And, um, yeah, on the corner of Welbeck and Bentinck Street again. So a lovely, a lovely Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes uh, reference there. Yeah, it's all going on. I mean, you know, loads, I mean, short street, 150 yards and all that, 250 years of luminaries. Quite so, and elegant yeah. as well. We, Very I mean, we have a pub on the corner there, but I know uh, no Starbucks... Uh, no, no shops. No, that, I mean, that actually that pub, the Coachmakers, I think it's changed hands three or four times. I used to do a Marlebone pub walk, and just straight down there was Marlebone Lane, and that used to follow the trace, um, uh, the, the, the River Tyburn, which is the, which the area is named after Mary okay. Saint uh, Saint Mary Le Bourne. Oh no, Marlebone. Bourne, B O U R N E. That's river, yeah, river, yeah, or waterway. Yeah, yeah, and as, yeah. as, would that be Saxon? Yeah. Because I was always interested in it because the, the old Scots word, or the, the, the Scots word for stream is burn, B-U-R-N. So okay. there's yeah, a, a common yeah. route there, yeah, I would think. Yeah. Well, I think um, from the 14th century, the village of Tyburn is where they set up a... Uh, it was the, the, the kind of uh, place of public execution right up until mm-hmm. the end of the 18th century. And on what is um, today's Oxford Street, which used to be the Tyburn Road, Oxford Street is named after um, the Earl of Oxford, Edward Harley. You have Harley Street round the corner, known for private medicine, of course. Yep. And at the top of it, um, well, along that road was a church there in the 14th century. It was dedicated to St. John. And, you know, these kind of carnival-like atmosphere when these public executions would take place, the place was looted, it was pulled down, and they campaigned for a, a new church to be built a little bit north from there, dedicated to St. Mary on the banks of the River Tyburn, St. Mary Le Bourne, that's where the name comes from. When I say Marlebone, other people say Mary Le Bourne. Marlebone, for me, oh, I've never known it me, as anything yeah. other than really, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, really, though, developed in the 18th century. So, Bentinck Street is named after William Bentinck, who was the 
I think he was the second Duke of Portland. Okay. And today's heirs are the Howard de Wardens from the, they're all from you know famous aristocratic families. I mean, it's always been a part of London where you know famous designers and architects have, have, have lived as well. So people with great exquisite tastes. Uh, Edward Luton. Okay. Cenotaph, I suppose, is the mm. most famous mm. thing. But also um, Alfred Waterhouse. Uh, did the um, uh, the um, Natural History Museum design the Natural History Museum? We also have um, John Luther Pearson, famous for churches. But if you go on my hidden pubs, all two temple places, beautiful building built for um, William Waterfaster on the banks of the River Thames. Uh, he lived here as well. So it's always been a very today very flashy, very gentrified. It's been, you know, it's. Um, a very fashionable, very expensive, sure. very, very expensive part of London. You can check it out on the Saturday, Saturday walk, the Marlebone walk. Yes, Saturday two afternoons, o'clock. 2 o'clock, yes. 2 o'clock. <laughs> the London Walks podcast was compiled, produced and presented by Andy Hannett and Adam Scott Goulding. For details of the full programme of London Walks, London's best guided walking tours, go to www.walks.com. The London Walks podcast was an APB production.